This is Teach, Travel, Talk About It, a podcast from International TEFL Academy, where we sit down with our alumni, staff, and other members of the TEFL community to hear their stories about teaching English abroad, traveling the world, and everything in between. I'm your host, Jasira Varda. Thank you to everyone joining us today. This is our last alumni panel of the year, and we're excited to hear from all of our panelists who are here today. This alumni panel's topic is adjusting to abroad, and we will be discussing many aspects of preparing for living abroad, adjusting to living abroad, and even what it's like when you come back from being abroad. So let's start by meeting our seven panelists. Again, thank you so much for being here. We'll start with you all introducing yourselves, starting with Selena. Hi everyone, my name is Selena. I am 27 years old. I'm originally from Texas and I've been living in Madrid, Spain for just over three years now. I came on a student visa where I took Spanish classes initially and I did a bunch of private teaching with private in groups and also with individuals. And then from 2020 to 2021, I was completing my master's program in Madrid as well. It was only one year along with the master's program. At the same time, I was a part of the Ministry of Education in Spain. So I was teaching at a brick and mortar school. It was a non-bilingual public school in the public system. And I just graduated with my master's at the end of this past June. And it was a great experience. Great, Amanda. Hi everyone, I'm Amanda. I'm from Pennsylvania. I taught in Daegu, South Korea from 2014 to 2017. And I taught at two different hagwons while I was there. And when I came back, I taught online with GoGoKid for almost two years. Hi, my name is Denise. I'm 30 years old. I'm from New York. I'm currently living in Illinois right now. And I will actually be teaching in South Korea in March of 2022. So I just got word that I will officially be placed. And a little bit of background about me. I'm a former outdoor educator. And then I currently work with children right now in an after-school program for the Boys and Girls Club. Hi, my name is Shauna. I'm from Michigan, and I taught abroad in Seoul, South Korea for one year a couple of years ago, and now I am back in Michigan as an ESL teacher for kindergarten through eighth grade students. Hello, my name is Melissa. I am 31 years old, and I am also from Pennsylvania, and I originally came to Indonesia five years ago. I first came as a Peace Corps volunteer, and then after my service, I worked for English First, which is a really big English company and then currently I'm working for Ronguru which is an online company through an Indonesian company and I've also worked for VIP Kids and I have taught offline and online because of the pandemic and I am still currently in Indonesia living in Bali. Hi uh, my name is Rose and I'm from Minnesota and I'm in Minnesota now as well. And I taught English in Chiang Mai, Thailand at an English language center for about two years, 2019 to 2021. And then I was in Mexico City for about half a year. And now I'm, I've been teaching English online for about a year and I'm going to Cairo, which is where my family is from in January. And I'll be working there. Hello, my name is Kenya and I currently live in Michigan. I taught English in South Korea some years ago, and I am upon coming back to the U.S., I've worked with the companies such as English Education First, and I've also worked as an online ESL teacher for a for YBM, and I've done 
quite a bit of ESL, EFL teaching here and there. And I also finished my master's degree this year of a master's in TESOL from Hamlin University. And I just finished in June 2021. Thank you, everyone. All right, now that we've got those introductions out of the way, and just as a reminder, these are all also your ITA alumni advisory board members. These are people that you can also reach out to if you have any questions, either you know through Facebook in the ITA alumni groups, or you can always email the alumni email. So let's talk about culture shock. Did you experience any when you moved abroad and how did you deal with it? Uh, did you get culture shock at work as well? I'd actually like to start with Denise here because you are preparing to go abroad now. Are you nervous about experiencing culture shock, Denise? And what are you doing to mitigate that? Oh yeah, I can definitely kick that off and say, yeah, 100% I am concerned with having culture shock. I think it's a little bit inevitable and I'm just trying to make the best of it while I'm waiting. Um... I think for myself and for those who are waiting to go abroad, I would just say that for me, what I'm doing is just figuring out like what my weak points are or what areas I struggle in. And if I, for me, it's if I feel like I'm already struggling home with certain things adjusting, then I know myself and I know that when I go there, it'll be the same. So I'm really just trying to prepare, but yeah, I definitely know it's going to hit and super nervous about it. Selena, what about you? Definitely. What I realized when I arrived, because I moved to Spain, I had actually never been to Madrid specifically before I moved there. I would visited Barcelona and a little bit on the east coast of Spain, but I never had visited Madrid when I lived there, so I took a really big risk. And I think there is such a big difference when you visit a country versus when you're actually going to live there for an extended amount of time, anytime over three months. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. I was a little bit naive as well. And I was like, oh, you know, so many people speak English. I was doing this and this. And, you know, when you're on vacation, it's easy in a way. And if you're there, you know, for any amount of time, probably longer than one month, it's it's not the same in any way at all. So I wish I wasn't, yeah, I wish I kind of, you know, wasn't too, so, so naive about that. Because, yeah, my first like three to five months was actually really hard, mainly because of the language barrier. So I definitely wish I prepared more and I wish I took Castilian Spanish classes because when I was in high school, when I was in university, my minor is in Spanish from University of Arkansas, but the Spanish that I learned, it's not the same. And I wish I took more initiative to take a Castilian Spanish class, maybe a month or two before I left, just to get the basics down. So I think the language was a really big part of my culture shock, as well as, yeah, just really truly understanding that visiting and living are two completely different worlds. That's a really good point, Selena. You know, living somewhere is different from from visiting it. Does anyone else want to address culture shock? Yeah, I would say one thing is to use this community. So before that I went to Indonesia, I actually looked on the social medias, like in, I have Instagram, so the, you know, the different people that already were in Indonesia and a lot of times they highlight people right of they're already living there so I would go to their page I would message them and just also get their experience like single-handed as well as did my own research watch YouTubes make sure that I understand what the overall culture would be like um, as much as you can and just educate yourself because yeah it is gonna be really different than if you were to visit on vacation and to actually live there so but really use this community I think that there's so many people out there that have experienced things, have gone through being homesick, have gone through culture shock, and yeah, we're all here to support each other. 
That's true. Everyone who is living abroad or is preparing to live abroad has the same concerns, has gone through the same things. So truly finding some way of connecting before you go is really important. I'm curious, does anybody um, want to speak on the difference of culture shock like out and about while you're living abroad versus culture shock at work, you know, when you first start teaching abroad? Yeah, I can. Go ahead. I'd say that the I definitely experienced culture shock at work and Korea as well as out and about because definitely the work culture in Korea is quite different from what I was used to in the U.S. as far as it being more of like a hierarchical structure versus a kind of more you can talk to your boss here in the U.S. so that was one thing and I know even though I prepared myself for culture shock out and about with Korean culture I still never fully got used to some aspects of culture like the culture there like the staring that happened <laughs> so I experienced it in both places. Staring is, is definitely real especially when you're in Asia so we are going to now address the uh, reverse of that aka reverse culture shock for those of you who uh, have come home or gone home after living abroad what was that like for you? I know for me that was bigger than culture shock when I first moved abroad to the various countries I was in. I would go to a grocery store and get so overwhelmed and anxious because there were so many choices and I just didn't know what to do with them. So Shauna, did you have an answer for this one? Sure, yeah. I definitely experienced reverse culture shock when I came back. I think for me, the biggest thing was not having a set routine because I was looking for teaching jobs upon arrival. So I, you know, didn't have that routine that I had while living abroad while where I was getting up, going to work, hanging out with friends. I didn't have that routine yet. So once I did find a teaching job in Michigan and I got that routine back, that definitely helped. But yeah, just the little things like having a car again and driving everywhere. It was just, you know, the little differences really add up and you're, you do get a little bit overwhelmed. But I think just for me getting that routine and then finding that balance too, like talking to friends from the country that you left and then also, you know, meeting up with friends in your home as well. That helped me for sure. Very true. Again, leaning on your support networks, making those connections. Uh, Kenya. I think Shauna, since Shauna lives in Michigan, I'm not sure where, but I think that any of us who live in anywhere like in like urban areas in Michigan, I'm sorry, not in Michigan, but in the U.S., if we live in like a big city, a big urban area, one of the biggest culture shocks for me have been safety because I went to South Korea quite a while. It was in 2010, 2011. And just knowing that even though it still was not, it wasn't 100% safe for me as a woman to go out to the convenience store at three in, in, at, in the morning it was still really comforting to see high school students walking around that late, families taking their children for a stroll like at midnight because they wanted to get some fresh air. And coming back to Michigan, because I live in Detroit, and that just actually is a culture shock that I still haven't gotten over. It has been almost 10 years. So it, it kind of just it really impacted my perspective about quality of life here in the U.S. and affordability for a good quality of life and how in, in, in certain developed or developing countries, people don't have to pay a lot of money to have a decent quality of life. That means that they can be safe, just riding transportation. And so that's one of the culture shocks that I'm still getting over. <laughs> and I'm just looking forward to going back overseas again. So... <laughs> Yeah, I definitely get that. I agree with you. That was a big one for me too. being 
being abroad, being in Taiwan, um, so similar, a lot safer, and then coming back to the U.S. and suddenly having to be concerned about things that I hadn't been concerned about for nearly three years. Rose, um, I think you hadn't answered this question as well. Yes, Kenya, I think you hit the nail on the head with that one. I was going to say something along those lines. If anyone has worry, is concerned about going abroad, you know, just do it like safety wise, because I had the same experience. I was in Thailand and yes, it wasn't a hundred percent safe, but probably like 95% safe. I used to ride my motorbike around at 11 o'clock at night, you know, by myself. And now in Minneapolis, if I walk down the street to the coffee shop, I get catcalled. So, you know, in the dead of winter, so that's definitely been a huge shock, as well as like a couple days after I came home, there's some things you can't find in the US or that are um, harder to access. I walked into an eyeglasses shop because I needed contacts because I was out and I just walked in there like I own the place. I can see Amanda nodding her head, maybe you understand, but like you need a prescription here to get contacts and glasses and I couldn't get it. I literally broke down and started crying in the store because <laughs> I was just so overwhelmed with everything. But to counteract all of that, I think there's ways to make it easier. For example, I found like a little Thai market in Minneapolis and like that, like I love going there. It kind of makes me feel more at home and like you can find a balance and stuff like that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that's another good point. Finding ways of connecting with the culture that you were in abroad when you're home is also a really good thing. Okay, so now we're going to talk about, you know, ultimately when you're moving abroad, you are going into another culture and regardless of how different it is from yours and how difficult it can be, regardless of that culture shock that you might experience, their cultural norms are normal for them and something that you do need to adjust to and acclimate to respectfully. So how did or uh, do or are you planning on or preparing for respecting the culture of where you lived and where you taught? Let's go to Melissa for this one first and then we'll go to Amanda. Yeah, so one thing that I kept in my mind when I first came here was anytime you're a guest anywhere, right? Even if you go to, you're a guest in someone's house, you don't go into someone's house and tell them what you like, what you don't like, how you want them to change their house, right? So you're a guest. And so that's something that you always have to keep in your mind that maybe something's different than what uh, you're used to, but you're still a guest there and the best way to know uh, is to look at your environment, right? When I first moved to Indonesia, I lived in a very conservative area, so I had to be very careful of what I wore. And I think that just looking at your environment is really important and also connecting either with people before you go there to ask them their experience or once you get there, yeah, just see what you see every day, right? How is people acting and make sure you try to at least go along with it until you have a good understanding of what is the culture so you're not disrespectful or you're not trying to be a certain way without knowing how are you representing yourself. So the way I prepared was to do a lot of research. So I did a lot of uh, reading of blogs. Uh, I know I'd look on YouTube and I found videos of people that were currently teaching in Korea and watch videos about their experience and what the culture was like. And I also, you know, got a book to learn Hangul, the Korean alphabet, before I went over. So I made a big effort to learn Hangul, to learn some of the basic phrases, as well as to find out what the the culture was like as far as, you know, bowing and everything. So I knew what to expect before I went and that helped ease my 
culture shock a lot. It's also just important to remember that yeah, these are these are normal things for this this new place that you're living in, and you can complain about how difficult it is to adjust to things, about the culture shock that you're experiencing, but as long as you're not actually complaining about the thing itself, you know, as long as it's not putting down or de I'm losing the word here, but just still being respectful while acknowledging that things are hard is is good. So We've already mentioned it a couple of times, but how did you find community abroad? Was it easy for you? How long did it take? Were you surprised by anything? Selena, yeah. Yeah, so when I did my TEFL in 2018, y'all had a partnership with the Spanish Language Academy in Madrid. And so when I finished my TEFL there, I met a lot of people. They were, you know, just in the building. We were finishing our TEFL. There was another group finishing their practicum and on different floors. And we would always meet in the printing room. So I was like, oh, okay, you know, all English speakers, you know, time to make friends. And I just really put myself out there. And because I did that, I met a girl who I, I like physical activity. I love to play sports. I love to go hiking and everything like that. So I overheard her conversation and she was a part of a soccer league. It was co-ed and I was weird eavesdropping, but I was like, I just turned around and I said, hey, I don't want to be weird and act like I'm eavesdropping, but I heard you talking about this. I'd really like to be a part of it. So I just really put myself out there, which I was super nervous about, but really glad I did because that was over three years ago and I still play in the same league. And I've made so many good friends from that massive group of people just by opening up and turning around and talking to one girl that I met in a in the printing room at my TEFL program. I also made friends during my TEFL program. I still have one really good friend I met through ITA. And yeah, in my master's program, made some friends there as well, you know, just by putting yourself out there and just being open and friendly and willing to, you know, just willing to get to know other people, whether they're from where you're from or whether they're, you know, even a non-native English speaker. It's just, you know, just the fact that you're trying and you're showing interest really helps and it makes other people feel comfortable as well. And I've grown friends by just, you know, doing that. So I got really lucky with having a really large community through sports and also through TEFL, through um, the ministry program in Spain and also um, a master's program just by simply getting out there and socializing. Yeah, it's just about putting yourself out there a bit. Amanda, how did you find your community abroad when you were in South Korea? The first thing I did was I went to a YMCA Korean course and I think I met some people through there. Uh, The other things that I did were to go to a language exchange where there would be Korean members that paid and then they would ask foreigners to come to help them do conversational English practice and I met a lot of my Korean and uh, teacher friends through that as well as Facebook groups were like a major way in Korea for me to communicate and meet people. And I even found like pet sitters, you know, once I adopted a cat through a Facebook group there. So like Facebook was everything. Facebook is definitely a really great way of of doing that. It's just the easiest way, I think, of setting that up even before you go. Denise, you're about to head abroad. How are you handling this? Yeah, I was going to say from the perspective of not going abroad yet, like how I'm trying to prep is really just make friends now so that I can be like, hey, this is the time that I'm going to be out here and already formulate my group or at least meet the people that I've been talking to for a while. So a lot of the girls that I've been chatting with are the people I had my ITA class with, actually. So we set up our own group. We've all have our dates for when we're going. We've like mapped our cities now. And now we're like, okay, at some point we will meet. And so there's a comfort in knowing that 
I don't necessarily know them super well, but I have people that I know. And for me, that feels really supportive and helpful and not feeling so alone. So yeah, I would just say if you can utilize finding people before you even go, it's super helpful and it's just comforting knowing that you at least know a few people beforehand. It's really true. Setting that up before you go, you're just doing whatever you can to set yourself up for success in in lots of different ways. Rose, what about you? Meeting people before you go is great. But for me, I didn't meet anyone. I consider myself outgoing, but I'm not the most outgoing person. But I will say that going abroad, like you're more than likely going to be in a city where there's other teachers or other expats too. So personally for me, I found it easier to meet friends overseas than I have at home just because everyone is trying to meet people too. It's like being in elementary school again. You just have instant friends the second you find someone else in your city that's new to town. That's also very true. It's a lot easier to make friends abroad, I think. And I'm an introvert. So for me, I had a month of struggling to overcome being in a new place and meeting people. But once I was a month in, it was easy to make friends. As an additional question to this one, was anyone looking for like a specific type of community abroad? Like for me, I know it was really important to find a queer community when I was in Taiwan. And that was one of the main reasons I picked Taiwan because I knew like I'd done some research and I knew it existed. I'm an artist and a writer. So, and like you just said, just you're an introvert as well. And it was pretty easy to find a lot of creative people that have become teachers and they came to Korea to teach English and Itaewon which is a neighborhood where there's a lot of expats and military foreigners who are in the military Americans so it was really I found quite a few people who were artists I found like they're like like some kind of art festival but as far as queer community I know that is not like in Korea it was considered taboo even though I've seen people there that sort of fit in but when I visit Thailand it was much more open but like you just hear the next country I'm looking at that's one of the other things I have in mind besides being a woman of color is a queer community so but yeah I know places in Europe and then there's some places in South America I'm just doing my research to check out those particular places I think especially when you're looking at like specific communities um that are Uh, maybe a little bit more marginalized. It's definitely helpful to do that that kind of advanced uh, research. Shauna, you also had an answer to this one, I think. Yeah, so I am vegan. So when I was looking for places to move abroad, not only was I looking for somewhere where I could eat things, but I also wanted to find a community like I have here. So again, like others have said, Facebook was super helpful. And living in a big city like Seoul, there's constantly new restaurants popping up and new events. So that was really helpful to meet people that had that interest and festivals and all sorts of awesome things. So Facebook was definitely a big help to help, you know, find restaurants, but also meet people that had that same interest. That's a really good point. If you have like a specific dietary need or dietary restriction, that that is definitely important. A good thing about going to certain Asian countries is you can look for like Buddhist restaurants. Those tend to be pretty good for for finding vegan vegan food or food that, you know, will meet your needs. So next, let's talk a little bit about mental health. That is a really big part of adjusting to to living abroad and also just being abroad in general, not just that first month, couple of months, few weeks, however long it is that you're experiencing culture shock and having to manage that, although that's important too. But in general, how did you adjust 
to that? What was that mental health process like for you, uh, Amanda? Amanda? Yeah, so I actually was being treated for generalized anxiety disorder and major depression before I went to Korea. So I was on medication and looking to continue that while I was there. So I ended up having enough medication for maybe two or three months when I got there to give me time to find another hospital where I could continue to get treatment. So I found a hospital that was a maybe 12 minute subway ride from where I lived in Daegu. And I ended up for the whole three years going once a month to see a psychiatrist to get medication and check in on my medication. So I was treated the whole time I was there. Of course, it was something that I know is very taboo in Korea as well. Like they do ask, you know, on the applications, have you been treated for mental illness? So it wasn't something I shared super openly, but I was able to get treatment while I was there. The one downside was the counseling was more of a challenge because when I was in Korea, better help and talk space weren't around. So I asked about it once, but it was really hard to find a, a psychiatrist that felt, or a psychologist that felt comfortable with their English to talk to me. So that was a major downside, but I was able to get treatment and I definitely had highs and lows, but yeah, it was a good experience. That's really good to hear. I know that especially when we talk about South Korea, we definitely talk a little bit more about not so much mental health specifically, but people are concerned about like the drug test uh, or the the, uh, medical test when you first arrive and all that kind of stuff. So it's really always interesting to hear that that it is still possible to to manage your what you've got going on while you're over there. Kenya, I think you said you also had an answer to this. You know, it's, it's so... I love to hear how there's so many of us in this group that have a lot in common because I just listened to Amanda and I'm just like, wow, that's just the same exact diagnosis I got. And I did the same thing. I know, I know it probably have been a lot of change from then from when I went to now, but then when I was there, I did have enough medication. I worked with my primary care physician in America, and she worked it out with me and my insurance company for me to be able to have enough medication while I was in Korea and to work it out where I could be sent some if there, I mean, I don't know, things might have changed now, but again, like just finding other people who understand and other experts who understand where you're going through and people to talk to that is it's really important to do that but if you're in that situation to anybody that's out there you just want to make sure you have the things that you need together before you leave and just make sure you do research about the country you're going to and make sure they have some kind of resources there that you can reach out to it's a good point again that research in advance especially with mental health especially with thinking about doctors therapists psychiatrists etc very important yeah i'm just going off of what amanda and kenya but when i first got to thailand my mental health was really stable i was it was like the honeymoon culture shock period i was 23 you know recently single living my best life <laughs> and then covid hit and I was away from home and we were locked away for about four months. All of my friends went home and I had previously been diagnosed with depression, but I I had it under, I want to say I had it under control, right? But getting therapy in Thailand wasn't something I could find there, but I did end up doing it online. If anyone's interested or wants to talk about it privately, I can give you like the link to it and it's affordable that way too like my health insurance doesn't cover that too so there's fortunately if you're abroad there's a lot of ways now since people are normalized like getting help for mental health 
there's a lot of ways you can do it, you know, from the safety of your computer and affordably. What about physical health? I know, and this is, this covers a couple different topics that we can talk about, like getting sick abroad, staying physically healthy abroad, exercise, what have you. For me, I know that the first year that I was in Taiwan, I got constantly, <laughs> like you're teaching little kids, they're sneezing directly into your open mouth. There were just a lot of germs and also new germs from being in a new environment. So what was maintaining physical health or dealing with physical health like for any of you? Melissa, how about you? What's it like for you in Indonesia? So I got really sick my first year too. I got dengue, I had parasites, I had lice. <laughs> so really totally different than what I oh, have wow. ever experienced. <laughs> In my life and so yeah at least for my experience because indonesia is all different islands right so i have lived on java and now i'm living in bali but i've also lived on small islands so i think it's really important to make sure you look at the area that you're going to be in because when i was in bigger cities it's much easier to have doctors that speak english but when i've been in really small isolated areas it was very difficult i had to have a translator which is really scary because I took three months of Bahasa when I got here and my Bahasa is pretty good, my Indonesian, but when you're like frantic and you're really sick, <laughs> you forget everything you've ever learned and a lot of the vocab I didn't know. So I definitely think that, yeah, just making sure you establish those areas before you get sick. So you know if you were to get this, who could you call or do they speak English or do you need someone because when you get really sick, that's the last thing you want to deal with is like language barriers or not knowing where to go. I got food poisoning. A bunch of times in Taiwan as well and I was lucky my partner speaks uh, Mandarin speaks Chinese so she was able to get me to the hospital get me to ER but yeah I was lucky because my very basic Mandarin would not have wasn't in my head at that time Shauna you also had an answer so I have a pretty bad allergy to some antibiotics so one thing I made sure to do was um, bring some that I could take with me in my luggage just in case there was an emergency or something and I couldn't you know schedule an appointment with the doctor there and then the other thing if you are gonna be in a big city that has air pollution definitely wear masks when you are outside I kept getting really bad sinus infections the first couple of months that I was in Seoul and you know obviously now masks are everywhere but back then it was you know a foreign thing to wear a mask when you're outside so definitely I'd, I'd recommend those for sure that will help <laughs> your sinuses yes masks and of course in Asia pre-COVID wearing masks was perfectly normal when you were sick or you thought you were getting sick. So now, of course, wearing masks is common pretty much everywhere. So let's talk about language. That's also a part of adjusting to abroad is, and we just talked about it in terms of um, physical health. Melissa touched on how it can exit your brain when you're um, under the weather. So did you or are you learning the language of where you are slash where you're going? Yeah, definitely. So I've talked to other people and they've, I've gotten mixed responses on this. So for South Korea, a lot of people are telling me, oh, some of the signs, most of the signs are in English and you are able to navigate or you are able to see a lot of things, menus. But for me personally, I was just like, I need to be able to understand something like it. That's what makes me feel comfortable. Also just reading. That's, you know, if, if I'm not able to speak something, at least I know I can write it. So yeah, definitely learning Hangul was like essential for me. So I'm doing it with Talk to Me in Korean. I'm still on level one. I'm still like very basic level, but I feel like way more confident than I used to. I love learning it. And so I think coupled with the fact that I'm enjoying it makes it like really helpful for me. But yeah, definitely like essential for me anyway to know it. 
Very true. And Amanda just in our chat says that she loves TTMIK. Talk to me in Korean. So clearly that's a, a good app. What about you, Selena, when you were moving to Spain and obviously, you know, Spanish being the language there, what was that like for you? Yeah, absolutely. I'm still learning it. I'm sad to say that three years later, I'm still at an intermediate level, but I'm working on it. I'm still getting there. I have a lot of English speaking friends. So that does cut you off from the cultural immersion on the language aspect, but I'm trying. I'm taking classes. I go to language exchanges. So I'm still trying to do my best with that. But initially it was super hard. Like I said, my Spanish was my minor in university and the Spanish that I learned was not the same hardly at all when I went over there. So that was a really big, oh God, what did I get myself into moment? And like I said, I wish I had took, taken more initiative to learn specifically Castilian Spanish before I left. But I just, you know, I was 23, 24. I didn't really fully grasp it, that concept yet. And yeah, I worked really hard. I took Spanish classes from the moment I arrived and it was, yeah, it was difficult. It was really hard. You know, you get nervous to express yourself when, and especially at a beginning stage and being Madrid has such a big English-speaking expat community that you almost feel like, oh, why do I need this? But you need it, 100%. There was no question in my mind. I was like, I need this. I need to work on it for myself because in case something, you know, if I get sick, if I need to do anything bureaucratic or go to the hospital, I need this. This is absolutely necessary. No matter how many, you know, English speakers there are in your community, it's uh, necessary. So I'm still working on it. I'm at an intermediate level, but yeah, I'm still trekking along. We mentioned this earlier, actually, Kenya, you, when we were talking about community, you were talking about how that is impacting your decision of where you're looking to go next. And community is part of culture. So I'm always curious how much culture, community, language, what have you, whatever it might be impacted or is impacting your decision of where to go or where to go next. Mm -hmm. Kenya? Yeah, I would say that it is, it's more so just, it, it's impacting a lot. But I also think too, my language, my foreign language proficiency is also a um, factor because I'm looking at Spain. I know that Spain, there's a lot of English opportunities there. My Spanish is beginner, <laughs> but it's like high beginner. So I can read quite a bit in Spanish. The speaking is and the listening is what's challenging for me. But I think but I know enough and I'm used to seeing and reading Spanish to the point where if I do go, I know that it's a different dialect than it is Latin American Spanish, but if I do go then it'll be easier for me to learn the language than it was when I went to Korea and I learned Hangu like the first week orientation when they gave us a lesson so <laughs> I didn't really but yeah culture and community is important it is and I think too often when you're thinking about like your second country to go to it becomes even more important for a lot of people once you realize that oh I need like very specific things or I want very specific things or I have like specific concerns Melissa do you have an answer for this one yeah so when I first came to Indonesia I was 26 years old and before that I was working a nine-to-five job and I just felt like my whole life was always just so busy <laughs> and I just said oh, I don't want to I just don't want to do this anymore and so 
I just looked at all different options so since I did come through Peace Corps there was 60 different options and so I just read about the cultures and I learned that Indonesia is just very like a relaxed culture and that was something that really tied me to here because I realized like I just wanted something totally different I wanted and I love that Indonesia had so many different languages within just the country besides its national language so for me I really just wanted to find something that was totally different than I've ever experienced and I never been to Asia before I came here so I didn't know anything and so that was something that for me I was like if I'm gonna quit my nine-to-five job like I just really want to experience something totally different and yeah a relaxed culture was what pulled me to here yeah again like what lifestyle do you want to live or lead while you're abroad we'll try for two more questions in before we end so we all have have had or maybe you're planning on having well preparing not planning but preparing for having uncomfortable difficult moments while you're abroad times when we feel out of place or frustrated that things just can't go the way we want them to go and sometimes we um, have really hard moments when we want to give up when you want to go home how do or did you handle those moments when they happened and if possible did they get better over time Melissa, yeah. Yeah, so for me, it's like a roller coaster. <laughs> so even after five years, sometimes it's really good, sometimes it's really bad. Um, especially, I haven't been home in two years because of COVID. The restrictions are really strong right now to come back to Indonesia, so I haven't left. And I don't know when I'm going to get to go home, so that's been really hard for me. But I think really just the support system, both like my family back home, they're supporting me, right? They're not telling me, like, you need to come home, you need to, you know, they've always supported me. And also having the community here. Yeah, even after five years, I still sometimes cry in my room, sometimes I have frustrations. It's really just a roller coaster and I think that just knowing yourself, when do you need to take a break, when do you need to have time to yourself, when do you need to be with other people, I think that's really helps you through those situations because yeah, it's they're always going to come and go, sometimes totally unexpected and yeah, just having the support system and knowing yourself and having um, that time to know when what you should do really helps you in those situations. Knowing yourself is, is good. Does anyone else have an answer for this one? Yeah, just to back up what Melissa said, a thousand percent, a thousand, thousand percent. It's, yeah, it's important to know how you react to certain situations and also just your support system. For example, like my... Madrid and, and where I'm from in Texas, it's a seven hour time difference, but I know for a fact I can call my mom at any hour of the day if something is happening or if I'm frustrated and she's going to be there. So just knowing who exactly you can turn to when you're feeling all kinds of ways, because it is like a roller coaster, like it, it's inevitable. It's You're never going to be up on this like super high for six months or a year and you're never going to not, you know, you're always going to have a bad moment in between there, no matter what it's going to be. And yeah, knowing who your support system is, establishing a community, and also within that community wh where you are when you are abroad, you know, maybe it's a big community and you say, oh, okay, you know, you realize over time who you can trust with your, you know, personal information when you're frustrated or overwhelmed. You realize over a little bit of time who you can go to in those situations as well. So having people that you can rely on in person as well as your community whoever that is your parents your friends your 
whoever in your family that is to you know rely on back home it's so important that's what has honestly helped me get through the really crappy times that i have felt just so overwhelmed so completely oh my god what am i doing here did i make a bad decision and i can turn to them and we talk it out and also recently if you think therapy is a good decision for you backtracking on mental health i recently started therapy just for a little bit of anxiety issues i've been feeling very overwhelmed lately living abroad didn't go home for a year now i'm home in texas to have a mental health break and that has made a world of difference just taking that initiative and realizing hey i need to talk about certain things and this is how i want to do it so whatever you know, whatever route you have to have that support system take it make sure it's established and always lean on it because you know you're not alone in this you don't have to suffer you don't have to be overwhelmed by yourself of course if you want to and that's how you process things definitely do you but yeah, I'm yeah, I'm a huge proponent of yeah, leaning on that support system in every way. Really, really important. Rose, I think you had an answer to this one and then we'll go to our final. Yes, just I'm um, going off of what um everyone else said. One thing that really helped me handling frustrating situations or if I just wasn't having a good day is just, you know, try to surround yourself with people who, you know, understand those frustrations, but they're still like treating the experience of living abroad as a positive one because unfortunately at the end of the day you're going to run into people that choose to get frustrated with culture shock and then choose to live their whole experience living overseas like being very bitter unfortunately there's people like that um you know most of the ita alum i've met are absolutely great so not us but yeah that's um definitely helped it will just make your experience better you can talk to other people about the frustrations you're having because more than likely people are going to be dealing with the same things as you. All right, we're going to go to our final question. What were some of your favorite things you learned about or maybe even incorporated into your life and habits while you were abroad in terms of culture? Maybe they're still parts of your, still a part of your life now, or maybe they just got left behind. But what were some of those favorite things about whatever culture you were, you were in? Shauna, let's start with you. For me, one of my favorite things about Korea was the hiking culture. Even, you know, people in their 70s, 80s going out and spending some quality time with a friend or even by themselves in the mountains. And that's something that I've definitely kept in my daily life over here. Obviously, we don't have mountains in Michigan, but I'm just really going out and spending some time in nature to decompress when I'm feeling overwhelmed or anxious. But that was, I, I loved that. I loved meeting, you know, people of all different ages while I was hiking the trails there. And just having that, that outdoor time was awesome. Awesome. That's great. Um, Amanda? I agree with Shauna. I really liked the hiking culture. My section of Daegu, I lived maybe like a short bus ride from a park and the, the hiking trail would be just mine. But more than anything, I think I had a rough first year in Korea and the second, like the third year and second and third year were much better. And I'm glad I stayed. The one thing I took away is like Daegu, I still think of as my Asian home, you know, and I had, I adopted my cat while I was there. I learned the language there. And the one thing I keep with me is I still try to practice my Korean now, which I'm very blessed with the K-dramas, you know, to keep that up. So the language I think is my favorite thing and just viewing Korea as my Asian home. Selena, what about you? Probably the slower pace of life. I've learned a lot from adapting to that, you know, because in the U.S. it's very hustle and bustle, your personal life, your work life. So it is a very different dynamic in Spain, very slower, just much more calm, which took a lot to get used to. I was not used to that, but I now that is something I really appreciate. And also the fact that 
it's so easy to travel around Spain. So just at the drop of a hat, people will say, hey, let's go to this place this weekend. And you drop any like minor plans that you may have and you say, yes, absolutely. I love the accessibility to do that for a very affordable price. And I love the fact that the community that, that, that I have, they're outdoorsy, they're athletic, they love to travel as well, which are all the things that I really like and I uh, thoroughly enjoy. So, and I'm really enjoying the a little bit slower pace of life. I'm appreciating it more and more uh, each day. All right, Denise, I know that you're heading off to Korea soon. So what is something that you're really looking forward to learning about or incorporating into your life once you're once you're abroad? Yeah, like Shauna and Amanda mentioned, just um, hiking culture. I love being outdoors. Like I said, I worked as an outdoor educator. So I just love being outside. I love hiking. And that's one of my favorite things that I'm looking forward to is just the different hiking trails, seeing how nature is out there and just, yeah, experiencing that. And then I think Amanda mentioned this earlier, but like with the bowing with the thank you, this is just from stuff from watching from K-dramas. I've just been like, I, I incorporate that now. Like when I say thank you to people, I'm just like, thank you. I don't know. I just, there's something so sweet about that and also the politeness of it and the respect level I just absolutely love so I will take that with me probably forever (laughs) so I would just say some mannerisms or gestures for formalness of the politeness towards one another I just love that and yes definitely for hiking all right Rose what about you I'm going off of what Denise said. I have not been able to stop doing this, but in Thailand, if you walk in front of someone, you're supposed to like duck like out of politeness. And I just naturally do it. I'll do it in the grocery store. I'm like, oh, sorry. And I, it's probably so silly here, but it's just, it's just part of who I am now. I don't think I'll ever be able to stop that. I don't know if anyone else has experienced that. But in general, people, I mean, Thailand is called the land of smiles and everyone is just, is so polite all the time and I feel like I became might might sound a little silly I feel like I became more polite and friendlier and just in general and stuff so yeah I hold it Thailand a special place that's pretty cool I mean we all change once we're abroad or like from living abroad but that's that's a good one Kenya what about you the food in Korea even to this day I still love to cook well, i'm vegetarian now so i just love to cook the vegetarian version of korean foods bibimbap i still love bibimbap to this day that's one of my favorite foods in fact most of my favorite foods are east asian and just south asian but yeah i still cook the cuisines i still visit the asian markets in my city and buy ingredients for it kimchi one of my favorite things to eat ever so that and the fashion and that's still something that's still with me i'm seeing everyone nodding along to to food all right and then last but not least melissa yeah so one thing that i really love about the culture here is that they always just say it's going to be okay and so even i've seen people get in car accidents and they'll just get out of the car to make sure that the person's okay and then they just move on as long as it's not like horrible right but there's not this yelling there's not this if you show up to a meeting five minutes late oh it's okay you must have a reason just that they always say like in bahasa santai saja which just means like just relax and i think that's like something that was really hard for me at first because I am oh, everything has to be perfect everything needs to be on time and so I think that the culture has allowed me to just realize it's life things are gonna happen it's okay just relax and just yeah just 
Sante Sanja. I love that. Again, yeah, that a little bit what, what Rose was talking about, those ways that it can really change kind of your outlook on life or your perspective or how you interact um, with the rest of the world. Thank you a million times over to all of our panelists. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Teach, Travel, Talk About It, an international TEFL Academy podcast hosted by Jasira Vardak, mixed and edited by Ian Kelly Davis. For more information about teaching English abroad, visit internationaltefelacademy.com or find us on social media at International Tefl Academy. Thanks for listening.